You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. And Taylor, we are firmly in the new year, and it's already time for winter conditioning for the Texas football team that is underway. We've got all those early enrollees on campus and i mean away we go seems like just yesterday we were picking up the pieces from the alamo bowl but hey football season never ends never ends i was gonna say it's it almost feels like just yesterday we were preparing for the 2022 season because that's how quickly i feel like the football season and everything goes in our industry i mean we work all year round for it to start and then it's over and then it's like, Oh, it's right back again. Here we go. But yeah. Uh, you know, winter conditioning starting this week, I believe. Right, Chip. Yeah. Yeah. And so all I want to know is if the Texas coaches are going to get like Arch Manning, some sort of like security belt to put his student ID in. Cause allegedly he's lost it twice now since he's been on campus. Um, the jokes are rolling in about, him fumbling that a lot so hopefully that'll improve but how are you doing chip yeah, we need to get him a lanyard or something <laughs> yeah a fanny pack maybe i think those something. are cool now somehow those are cool which is don't even get me started but yeah something where it's or like maybe it's like a like a magnet that you just put next to your phone and it just automatically secures to it i don't know <laughs> yeah or maybe people are trying to you know, pickpocket his ID out of <laughs> his pocket so that they can say that they have his ID. I don't know, but yeah. yes, it is. Uh, if, if, if social media is to be believed, Archibald Manning is having some trouble hanging on to his, <laughs> uh, student ID, but he is not having trouble impressing teammates and coaches, Taylor, with uh, his knowledge already of the playbook. I wrote about this a little bit in the Insider uh, this past week that, you know, in meetings um, with A.J. Milwe, Manning's already showing uh, some pretty good competence with regard to the offense. And, um, you know, we already know he's He's all about the team. He's texting the guys in his recruiting class saying, what are you doing today to get better? Or he was before they, they got on campus. And, and now 
Uh, the guy seems to be doing pretty well on the whiteboard uh, with regard to questions about the offense. And that's good news because you've got to have competition in that room. We talk about the fact that there's no experienced veteran in that room. It's, you know, it's Quinn Ewers, who in my mind was a true freshman in 2022. And, um, you know, Malik Murphy, Charles Wright, and now Arch Manning. So uh, that's great news to hear that Arch Manning, the work ethic, the uh, discipline is is there. It's, it's already being uh, witnessed on campus. And, and that's, uh, of course, only going to stimulate fan expectation, but uh, it's really not to do that. It's just to show that this guy is all about business and seems to understand that it is a job to be the quarterback at Texas is a job. It's not fun. It's not like any other sport, it is a job. Yeah, and and I would say that probably at any you know major uh, powerhouse, perennial powerhouse type of uh, power five college football program, that's exactly accurate. I mean, when you go back to last season, Chip, every quarterback in that room was a freshman. Whether it's if you want to call him redshirt freshman, I mean Charles Wright, he was a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, obviously Quinn Ewers was considered that Quinn Ewers should have been a true freshman, Malik Murphy, a true freshman. I mean, though, I will say the one thing, if you go back to when Casey Thompson was the starting quarterback at Texas, the, he was always in the film room, but he didn't develop that characteristic or that tool on his own. He watched Sam Ellinger and how it took Sam Ellinger, how much time he took in the film room to really prepare for games. And he learned from Sam Ellinger. And that's something that not a single quarterback on the Texas roster last season had. They didn't have that role model. And even if you go back to when Quinn Ewers was at Ohio State, I mean, CJ Stroud was a first time starter too. He was learning on the fly on how to prepare as a collegiate power five starting quarterback at a big time, you know, perennial powerhouse college football program. And so there was, you know, the growing pains was not just on the field that you saw. It was also off the field. It's not surprising though, to me, Chip, that Arch Manning has that approach because look at who he has molded or been able to mold kind of his discipline, his uh, approach to football, everything around to, you know, Super Bowl winners, um, probably future pro football hall of famers. I mean, you name it, you know, and his uncles and Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. And so, and then even going back to Archie Manning too, but yeah, I mean, this is, it's very positive news. And I think it's probably going to help kind of hold accountability a little bit from even some of the guys that are upperclassmen because there is a younger guy coming in and is already so, you know, involved into the playbook based off what you're reporting. And and if you did not see the insider from last Thursday, definitely go back and check it out because Chip got some really good scoop in there about this. But, you know, in order to play like a pro, you have to prepare like a pro. And uh, I feel like Arch Manning, obviously, the the bloodlines, everything that he brought to the table, essentially, I think that's going to pay dividends, not just for himself, but also for the quarterback room that is so young, too. Well, and you mentioned his uncles, and I keep going back to Peyton Manning. His freshman year at Tennessee, he was supposed to redshirt, 
behind Jerry Colquitt and uh, Tim Helton. Colquitt goes down in the opener. Helton goes down in game four. And Peyton Manning is thrust into the starting lineup, ends up going seven and one as a true freshman and earns SEC freshman of the year back in 1994. You know, Arch Manning, you're one play away as the backup. If the backup goes down, you're, you know, you're two, you're plays, two plays away. Two plays away, yeah. <laughs> as, as, the third, as the third guy. And we don't know how this quarterback uh, derby is going to shape up. Obviously, Quinn Ewers has the experience, but Malik Murphy's healthy. He wants to compete. He's hungry. He's chomping, I've been told. Um, and then, you know, Charles Wright, he's the – he put in a ton of work. He was this close to having to play uh, against UTSA. Uh, with uh, Hudson Card, you know, having the the ankle injury uh, in the Alabama game, he ended up not being on the field. But the sense was that Charles Wright had improved dramatically uh, in his year uh, of learning and and being um, in Steve Sarkeesian's system year and a half, I guess, at that point. But uh, nonetheless, you want every quarterback in that room to be working you know as diligently as possible on on grasping the offense and what to look for and and how to um you know then take that to the grass as as they say and once texas uh gets out on the grass and is able to do its uh little modified practices before spring ball um, to be able to impress your teammates and know what you're doing and be able to call the plays and execute them, at least what, uh, what limited plays they might be, um, you know, installing at that point. So it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating. No, no doubt. Arch Manning, the, the headliner in that 2023 recruiting class, but the top five members of that class are on campus right now. And that's probably uh, the most exciting part of, of winter conditioning, honestly, because you've got Arch Manning, you got Anthony Hill, you've got Cedric Baxter, you've got Jonte Cook, you've got Malik Muhammad. Um, and that's, that's exciting because you don't, you don't always have that. You don't always have the top members of your class as early enrollees and, those are all guys who could end up being counted on in 2023. Yeah, for sure. Last year is a prime example of that. You know, Texas signed that amazing uh, offensive line class. The only early enrollee from the 2022 offensive line class was Cole Hudson. Obviously, that paid dividends, I really do think. So I don't think that many people would have expected Cole Hudson, of all of the offensive line talent that Texas signed, that he was going to be a guy that was that essentially secured a starting role going into fall camp, like at the early parts of it. Um, the five stars, you know, Calvin Banks, Devin or DJ Campbell, you know, they did not enroll until May. And it was the, at least they were good enough talents that Calvin Banks obviously started and Devin Campbell saw the field a lot too. But that's it's uh it's definitely a very positive sign if you can get the top signees, those ringleaders, those bell cows of your recruiting class on campus, because 
the other thing, in addition to them just getting the reps in, you know, winter conditioning, being in a college strength and conditioning program, going through spring ball, going through a full semester of school, all of that's really beneficial. The other thing that I think that a lot of people don't talk about, though, Chip, with getting the top guys in the recruiting class on campus as early enrollees is they're going to learn what the culture is, what the expectation is over the next several months. And by the time that the rest of their class comes in that have always been kind of going to those guys as the ringleaders, the bell cows of the class, they're going to be able to pass that message along not even just when they enroll, but like probably throughout the next several months because they have a different relationship with their own recruiting class, their signing class too. And that that's huge. You know, when when an Arch Manning, I mean, let's be honest, Texas signed the nation's, what, number three signing class in 2023. And it didn't happen really until Arch Manning committed. And then all of these players followed him. All of these recruits wanted to play with him. Some of the best players want to play with the best quarterback, whether they're on offense or defense. And so obviously the way that the Texas recruiting cycle, I think in 2023 kind of played out is that people are going to follow Arch Manning. Arch Manning's on campus right now. He's learning what the expectation is going to be, how you have to go through these offseason months, how you have to prepare like a pro. And in turn, I think that, you know, one thing to consider is he's going to pass that along to this, those same guys that may not be on campus right now, but that did follow him in signing with Texas. So I think that's something, you know, kind of a back doorway of, uh, or behind the scenes, I guess, type of thing that a lot of people aren't really talking about. You know, people talk about early enrollees getting the experience. I think this is a good thing that Texas has those guys in this class so that they can, you know, figure out how to prepare that way and pass it along to the, the incoming guys that come in in May and June. Yeah, and and we mentioned Cole Hudson being the only early enrollee of the offensive lineman in the 2022 class. We also learned this past week that that guy played with a torn labrum in his shoulder the entire season, the entire offseason. He injured that shoulder in high school, but he he didn't want to have surgery because he was an early enrollee. And he wanted to get right into the mix and, and he performed well enough in the spring to get into the two deep. And then, um, you know, with the, the blessing of the Texas medical staff put off the surgery until the end of the, the 2022 football season, just, just had that surgery actually, um, a week ago. So uh, kudos to, to Cole Hudson. What a tough kid. I mean, um, that's, uh, that's not, you know, it's not an easy injury. He had a harness on underneath his, uh, his pads and, and played through it and started every game at right guard. So, um, that, that tells you right there what, uh, what a tough kid that is. And then, uh, Connor Robertson, uh, another freshman offensive lineman who is basically the backup center uh, to Jake Majors. He was listed as the backup center uh, in the Alamo Bowl, had uh, wrist surgery after the season, uh, sustained that injury during the season, um, you know, fought through it, practiced through it, and then had the surgery after the season. So two young tough guys on that offensive line who uh, are, have big futures at Texas. Uh, they joined 
Jonathan Brooks, the running back, as you reported, who had hernia surgery right after the Alamo Bowl. So um, Connor Robertson should be back for uh, some or all of spring football. Um, Cole Hudson will miss spring football. He'll be out until May, but obviously uh, he started 13 games. The coaches uh, feel really good about where he is. And this spring, it will give DJ Campbell, uh, the number one ranked interior offensive lineman in that 2022 class, uh, number one ranked interior lineman in the nation, um, a chance to get his confidence up and, and see what he can do. And uh, as well as uh, Nato Yumizulu, um, easy for me to say. I <laughs> said I was just going to call him Nato. So, um, but, uh, and we mentioned last week that Chris, Christian Jones is coming back. Uh, so there should be some, uh, he can also play guard and we'll see. That will depend on how far along Cameron Williams, the, the six, seven, 350, 60 pound um, right tackle in that 2022 freshman class, uh, recruiting class, how he's progressing. So um, I think that gets us uh, through our our injury update, Taylor. Um, it is interesting. There's been rumbling that the Big 12 will release the 2023 football schedule any day. And and of course, this is going to be the schedule with Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, Central Florida, and Texas and Oklahoma for what is likely to be the last year of Texas and OU in the Big 12. And um, there's also rumbling that, uh, that this schedule is being held up because um, – Oklahoma and Texas want to know what their exit deal is before the schedule comes out. Now, um, we'll we'll see how, how if that's what's holding up the schedule. We may not get the schedule until next August. Uh, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but that's interesting, and it, this is such a weird, tenuous uh, relationship right now that Texas and OU have with the Big Twelve that um, I believe just about anything uh, when it comes to uh, that possibly holding up the release of the uh, 2023 Big 12 schedule, Taylor. But everyone wants to know who's going to get to play Texas and OU uh, in what could be their final season in the league. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say this, Chip. If the schedule is anywhere close to some of the officiating that Texas and Oklahoma had to go through from big 12 officials in 2022. I'm going to go on a limb and say, Texas fans, OU fans expect the worst possible schedule out there, honestly. Um, just because, I mean, it, it, it it's, it's almost like it, it's, I, I feel for Brett, your mark, your mark. Is that, I'm, I just, totally yeah, Brett, your mark. Okay. I was like, I just butchered it. Okay. That's right. So I feel for him a little bit because he took over, a job in one of the most tumultuous times, I think, in the Big 12 conference, aside from the 2010, you know, realignment stuff where they were essentially about to be disbanded, you know, as a big as a conference. And um, I feel for him a little bit. However, 
it's hard for me not to watch this fiasco, and I'm going to call it that intentionally, go down because it's like, man, for the first time, the Big 12 actually made it to the college football playoff national championship game. It was a team that's staying in the league that actually made it there. They get embarrassed, and then it's like, oh, let's just continue to embarrass ourselves in the scheduling fiasco because now it's almost like a joke, right? I mean, like, it's like, really, you're really going to hold this up because you're trying to hold Texas and OU hostage right now in a conference when you know they're moving on and you're already adding other schools to it to where you're blowing up the schedule regardless and you have no answer to it. It's just kind of like, this is so Big 12, it like hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're watching the breakup. Yes. Like you're in the living room watching this divorce court or something, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're literally sitting there watching it. And mm. you know, it's it's been um it's been fascinating because we've had all kinds of interesting little nuggets that have popped up. Does anyone remember a year ago, like Kirby Hocut in Texas Tech basically saying that you know, Texas has agreed to play us for like the next 20 years when that is not the case. And Texas Tech has been one of the most outspoken and sort of um, crybabies. I mean, yeah. Like, to, sorry. For lack Texas of a better Texas. word. Yeah. It's, it's um, the reality. And so, you know, Texas by the way, has not agreed to play Texas Tech for the next 20 years. If if Texas had its way, they wouldn't be playing any of the former Big 12 schools. Uh, you know, they've got really good marquee non-conference games coming up against Alabama, Michigan, um, Ohio State, you you name it. Uh, and, and so... Anyway, I wrote about this in the insider as well, that that's, that's another possible way of helping to pay off the, the big 12, uh, and in terms of exit fees would be to play, um, you know, big, either one big 12 team for four years or two big 12 teams, you know, a home and home over the span of four years, um, you know, after Texas and OU move on to the sec. That has not been agreed upon by Texas and OU either. So it's, it is interesting. It's tenuous, but we might be closer to the exit parameters than, than anyone expected, in part because when Brett Yormark deserves credit for this, he's already you know negotiated the Big 12's next media rights deal, and it means $4 million more per school, even without Texas and OU. So Texas and OU are sitting there saying, okay, you've been made whole. Mm -hmm. You're not going broke by, by us and OU leaving for the SEC. You just inked a deal that says, you know, each school is going to make $4 million more per year than when we were in the league. So right. sayonara. Now they, they do still have to figure out. And I think Texas officials want to know who agreed to this. Uh, when they redid the bylaws in 2012, they put in a 99 year, you know, agreement. And if you leave 
you got to give 18 months notice and surrender two years of revenue. And Texas is like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. And OU's the same, you know, and you know, no one pays full price to leave. You all have been made whole. You're going to be happier without us. So let's just move on. And those are sort of the little sticking points right now. Um, but it is conceivable that we could get the exit deal parameters quickly. I mean, it's it's a work in progress. Ever since the the Big 12 negotiated its new media rights deal for life without Texas and OU, Texas and OU have said, okay, let's let's get on with it. And I think Brett Yormark is is open-minded to that, much more so than Bob Bowlesby was. So there you have it, Taylor. Um, yeah. So one thing I'm curious, Chip, from if you look at Texas' future schedule um, for their non-conference games coming up, as you had mentioned, obviously at Alabama 2023, but then you know 2024, they're playing at home against Michigan, 2025 at o Ohio State, 2026 at home versus Ohio State, 2027 at Michigan. Those are obviously some major major type of games that they have scheduled when Texas is going to the SEC and they're probably going to be playing some of those other major, major games. Do you think that there's going to be a situation to come about where Texas renegotiates some of their non-conference um, set lineups for the next at least like five years uh, once they do join the SEC? I hope not. Yeah. Well, you're oh, a Michigan God. guy. You're, you're a big 10 guy. Of course. Well, those, you are, <laughs> those are big time helmet games. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Those are iconic programs. Those are the top five. They're in the top five all time winningest programs in college football. Those teams need to play each other. We, we saw that in 2005 when Texas had to go to Ohio state um, in, in what was basically an elimination game, um, you know, for the national championship. And and it happened in September and it was a fantastic game. It was, I can still remember every play of that game. It was so in incredible. Um, and then they played Michigan, obviously in the Rose bowl. Leading right. Their, the year, the before, final game, right, the year in, before. Yeah. Leading in, up to that. 2005. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I think, I don't know that Texas and OU will agree to play a big 12 team or two big 12 teams over the span of four years once they leave. And that's, that's part of this, um, you know, talk at the table right now. And, and if it does, if it does happen, uh, I'm fascinated to see, um, the, the, the up yours move would be for Texas to play Houston. Mm-hmm and not play Baylor or TCU or Texas Tech, <laughs> they would go to Houston, a yeah. huge recruiting territory where Texas has scheduled games in the past against Rice and against Houston and, and play the Cougs. That would be the, sorry, sorry, kids. Sorry about all yeah. that rancor you, you threw at the legislature when I we would say, yeah. Here. When we were As going you bash to the us SEC in front of the freaking legislature, yeah. yeah, you dragged us into a committee hearing and tried to embarrass us and talked about our crappy record against TCU. Well, we're gonna go play UH for 
uh, you know, the next four years and y'all can watch us on TV. Yeah. And what about the Bedlam series? I mean, that's the one that I hope. Yeah. Now that one. Right. Yeah. That would be you cool. Hope it yes, that would be cool. I mean, it's just like it's some Texas fans and AM fans, they can sit there and say all they want that they don't want to play each other and all of this. But college football was better when Texas and Texas AM, when those in state type of rivalries play each other. It's just, it's better for the sport. It's better for the fans. It's better for pretty much every single, you know, person involved, except if you're on the losing side, it may impact some of your recruiting, you know, uh, players that you're going after and stuff. But I, I hope Oklahoma, Oklahoma state would continue. Have you heard anything about that? No. Um, but it would be cool. And, and I hope I agree with you. I hope that that if, if that, uh, holdover game against the big 12 um, survives or becomes part of this exit agreement that it would be Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. Cause you know, when you have a rivalry game with a name yeah, like Bedlam and, and OU certainly has enjoyed the better end of that deal. That's the one mystery when it comes to Mike Gundy that I just can't figure out. He's like, three and 15 against OU as the head coach at Oklahoma state. It's just crazy. But um, yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. That's what um, I, I hope that they can come to some sort of agreement with. And it would be really funny if Texas decided to just play U of H as long as they don't decide to play BYU. BYU is that one team where I'm like, Texas, just like BYU in Maryland to me, Texas football never needs to schedule. If they can avoid it, don't schedule it because my goodness, we <laughs> watched the beginning of the end of Mac Brown's career at Texas, literally in Provo, Utah. And, uh, and literally you know, the end of Manny Diaz's time at Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget. Chip was the one that asked Mac. He asked that hard question that everybody wanted to know, but nobody really wanted to answer. And Chip's really good. I will give Chip a lot of credit for this. He's really good at having, you know, stepping up and asking those questions. Um, but I will never, ever, ever forget Mac Brown's response when you asked if Manny Diaz will be the defensive coordinator for next. I think it was, they were playing Ole Miss the following week or something. And all he sat there was like, I don't know. I got to watch the film. Today. Yeah, the film. Yeah. But it was like it was a 10 second answer. And that's all he said. And it was just like, okay, so we got to start preparing Manny Diaz getting fired from Texas <laughs> stories because it was all well, the I'll never forget Major Applewhite's glare at me. He was the offensive coordinator at the time. And he, when I asked the question, he looked like, and then he heard Max answer and was like, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> Mac didn't say, of course he's going to be the. Exactly. Yeah. And like, Mac, Mac was the king of coach speak, right? Like, right. Right. And then before before noon the next day, Manny was was on the streets and Greg Robinson was in. Um, Speaking but, of Greg Robinson, if you did not watch the interview podcast with Derek Johnson, definitely go back and, uh, you know, uh, God rest his soul, Greg Robinson. But um, Derek Johnson talked a lot about him and his impact on his career as he's uh, going into the College Football Hall of Fame in the 2023 class. If you missed that episode of the flagship podcast, go back after we're done here and uh, listen to it because that was a really good interview that Chip did with Derek Johnson. 
Yeah, Derek. Sorry, not, the, not to change it, but yeah. No, no. A, I mean, I, like I'm it. glad you mentioned it because Derek Johnson is such a he's such a life force. He's such a positive, forward uh, thinking guy, and and he really opened up about th the learning process that he experienced at Texas, how he became a better player, even though he was already, you know, a five-star recruit and, and also his, what he learned in the NFL from adversity and new coaches. And, and then of course, what, um, you know, his favorite memories from Texas and his records at Texas and, uh, and his thoughts on Anthony Hill and advice mm -hmm. for all those four linebackers coming in, in the 2023, 23 class. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, you know, you know where to go. Um, horns 24, com uh, and, or the, uh, horns 24, seven YouTube channel. Yeah. iTunes, um, Spotify, whatever you get your podcast. Yeah. Definitely feel check free it out. to give us a five-star rating. If, uh, <laughs> if you're feeling frisky because our bosses always appreciate that. Yes. Um, all right, Taylor, you ready? Well, I guess we should mention basketball since um, what a week for Texas basketball. My heavens, they were down 18 at home to TCU, uh, came back and won the game, and then down 12 to Texas Tech over the weekend, came back, won that game, and Serge Jabari Rice, whose shot fake is already legendary, um, was named the big 12 newcomer of the week for, um, averaging 15 points in those two games. And most, all of his scoring came in the second half when the Longhorns needed it most. This guy is phenomenal at just making plays when Texas needs them most. And it's not just scoring it's offensive rebounds. It's defensive rebounds. It's assists. It's making free throws when he's fouled late in games. And man, what I, I said it from the beginning, Taylor, I said, this guy's going to be on the floor late in games because he has a sixth sense about what his team needs and how to get, you know, be around the ball and whether it's making a defensive stop or a, a, a drive to the basket or a, hitting a three pointer. It's just been fun to watch. And Marcus Carr ob obviously has been fantastic. Uh, all at a time when Tyrese Hunter, their star transfer guard from Iowa State and the team's second leading scorer, the Big 12 freshman of the year last year at Iowa State, has been going through a really tough shooting slump um, that coincides, you know, the last nine games since Chris Beard was suspended and ultimately fired. And, and that's understandable. My goodness we talked about these players having their worlds turned upside down. Um, and we talked about how Tyrese Hunter left a winning program, a program he turned around at Iowa state. They were two and 22. And then he comes in uh, with new coach TJ Otzelberger and Hunter helps take them to the sweet 16 in one of the greatest turnarounds in college basketball history. Um, so it was a big decision for Tyrese Hunter to to leave Iowa state to come to Texas. And he did it because of Chris Beard. And, and then all of a sudden Chris Beard's not here. So uh, kudos to the Texas basketball team, Rodney Terry, this coaching staff, um, which now includes Chris Ogden. He's moved from managing director back into a coaching role. 
uh, because of Chris Beard's uh, dismissal. And this team is showing unbelievable fight and tenacity late in games. They can't live like this, Taylor, forever, yeah. but it was, a, it was an impressive week um, coming back from those big deficits. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you mentioned Tyrese Hunter. I mean, you have to feel, as you mentioned, like you feel you feel for those, the type of guys like him, but, you know, he's only scored 11 points in the last three games total. He did not score a single point against Texas Tech. I mean, that's that's a, a slump. That, like, oh, it might be too soon to make the comment, but if you're a Cowboys fan, I mean... He's going through a Brett or the Mar situation, the kicker at the Cowboys, but you know, Texas is winning. And so you hope that it's a, a short type of slump. You hope that he can kind of rebound, get mentally back into it, but it's hard. I mean, these are still young, young, you know, adults. I know they're not kids, but they're still young adults. And when you lose your leader, you lose the, the mentor, you lose the type of father figure, even a lot of times that these guys have in coaches, it can really take a toll on them. So, I mean, kudos to Texas to kind of overcome this adversity, but you're right. It can't, you, you can't keep putting yourself in this situation. There's got to be something, you know, that clicks eventually. And you hope if you're a Texas fan, it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, as I said before, none of these guys asked for this no. and they're having to, that's all been thrown in their lap. And now they're having to figure it out in unbelievable circumstances and kudos to uh, this Texas basketball team, which went up in the rankings to number seven this week. And, um, you know, a tough week, obviously, with uh, road trips to Iowa State and West Virginia back to back. So Texas yeah. cannot start off in a hole against those teams or they'll come back with a couple L's. So, yeah. Um, and, and kudos to Rodney Terry, too. He also did not sign up to be in this situation. I mean, gave up a head coaching like, job. Yeah. He gave up a head coaching job to be an assistant coach at Texas. And people may be looking at it like, oh, he, he's going to try to take the most of this opportunity. I hope he does. I hope they continue to win and that, you know, if Texas decides to hire a new coach that he gets another head coaching opportunity at a bigger school than where he came from. But I mean, he didn't ask for this. This is not something that he was hired at Texas expecting to happen. It's not like Chris Beard was on the hot seat or something like that. It was the absolute opposite. And so, um, you know, you have to give credit where credit is due. And I think Rodney Terry deserves a lot of credit too. Yeah. All right. You ready for some uh, love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a very, very quick break, but stay tuned. We have more Texas football talk and a little bit of basketball talk coming up um, as Texas football enters their winter conditioning offseason. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chip, you uh, ready for my first love it or leave it? I'm ready. All right. Love it or leave it. It will be impossible to keep fans' expectation expectations Excuse me, for Arch Manning in perspective. Oh, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to love this. Uh, fan, as our friend Sean Adams always used to point out, fan is short for fanatic. And people are fanatic about Arch Manning. I mean, why not? He's, you know, top recruit in the 2023 20, class. He's he's a Manning, for crying out loud. And he yeah. plays quarterback. <laughs> so um, the fact that, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers struggled down the stretch of the 2022 season only adds to that fire. And even though I think Quinn Ewers played better and benefited from the 15 bowl practices and will continue to get better. Yes. Um, look, having a guy like Arch Manning uh, waiting in the wings is, uh, is just going to have the fans all kinds of lathered up. So um, yeah, I'm going to love this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it. I always like to joke that the best player on Texas football roster is always the quarterback that is not on the field in t- in fans' minds because that is exactly how it goes. It's, you know, one incompletion. It's like, oh, my gosh, why Quinn doesn't have it? Let's go to Archmania. I, I already can literally probably type out comments that I know are going to happen if Arch Manning, assuming, you know, Quinn Ewers starts next season and Arch Manning is on the bench. We know how this is going to play out. It happens every single, I feel like every single year, especially even not even if there's a, you know, a new starter at quarterback. It just, I remember people wanted Casey Thompson when Sam Ellinger in 2020, even though he played through an injury the whole time. It's like, it just is always literally the best player, according to Texas fans, is the backup quarterback that's not on the field and not seeing the field. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to love this. I will say, Chip, I'm going to call you out a little bit on it. I don't know if your comments about Peyton Manning going 7-1 and one as a true freshman when he wasn't supposed to be a starter is going to, you know, calm any of those expectations. It may kind of provide – you may be kind of like tinkering little like sprinkles of gas on that fire. Well, the there, only but... reason, as you said, I was sprinkling gas on that fire is because – Sprinkles, sprinkles. I'm sure – that over Thanksgiving dinner or at some point in the last year, Arch and Peyton have, you know, sort of reminisced about Uncle Peyton's time in college. And, oh, by the way, here's how my freshman year went. I was just trying to inform the (laughs) listeners that, look, this is something that Arch is probably aware of. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. No, I know, I know you're not trying to rile it up because I'll tell y'all uh, on those days when the quarterback's not doing well, sometimes trying to deal with some fans can be like, I would rather chug that gasoline instead of pouring it on the fire here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but no, I'm I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna leave that one. Um, 
you know, but I, I would encourage Texas fans to keep your expectations in check. I mean, look back at even, uh, you know, Vince Young, like he was benched as a, in the 2004, right? When the 2003, oh yeah. Against yeah, Texas but, Tech. Yeah. I guess that. Yeah. For, yeah. I mean, for chance mock. Yeah. For chance mock. I mean, not just because a guy's a five-star highly touted recruit coming in doesn't mean that they're going to be a day one All-American and a Heisman, you know, contender. I mean, shoot, there's a reason why there's only a handful of red shirt freshmen that have won the Heisman trophy. There's not a single one. That's a true freshman quarterback that has won the Heisman trophy. That's not just a coincidence. That's just because sometimes it takes time to develop. So um, yeah, I'm definitely going to leave that one too. Yeah. How about that? How about, you know, when Steve Sarkeesian's reluctant to pull his starter, think back to Mac Brown pulling Vince Young yeah. in that Texas Tech game and putting in Chance Mock. I remember going, oh, good Lord. This <laughs> this is either going to end in an incredible uh, you know, hero story for Chance Mock and everything's going to blow over, or this could just be a shipwreck if, if Mock comes in and does you know, worse than VY. Fortunately, Chance Mock, kudos to Chance. Um, he He's a uh, listener of the flagship podcast, <laughs> came in and did what Chance Mock does. Yeah. <laughs> he won the game. Exactly. All right. That's all he needed to do, yeah. <laughs> but Chance uh, probably be the first one to tell you that, oh, yeah, Vince should have started the majority of the games that year. I mean, yeah, I mean we both used to work with Chance, yeah, in radio. Chance, like, yeah. Chance got benched while having 11 touchdown passes and two interceptions three games into this the uh, 2003 season. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. He just no. had Superman on, uh, yeah, on his team. Yeah, one of okay. the best quarterbacks in college football history. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, All right. Okay, love it or leave it. Number two. Second one, love it or leave it. When the Big 12 finally releases the 2023 football schedule, Texas will have to play at BYU, Cincinnati, and West Virginia, which would be the furthest road trips, essentially, for the 2023 season. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the Big 12 would give Texas all of those road trips you can't. Um, <laughs> man, they wouldn't Silence do that. Would they? Would they? <laughs> I'm going to leave this, Taylor. They can't do that, right? They can't give Texas all the most remote road trips in a single season, right? What about I mean, you? They, so you may know better. They can technically, right? Well, they I mean, can. They, yeah, they, they can essentially change everything from pre-14 team Big 12. So Texas may have to play at K-State or at Kansas too. I mean, they can technically do that. And at this point, there's nothing that the Big 12 has done that makes me think that they are not going to do that. I think that they are scorched earth. It's like, as you'd said earlier, it's a great, you know, comparison. It's like you're, we're watching a breakup. We're almost watching a divorce. 
And if one spouse feels like they were slighted or disrespected or they're out to get you, they're going to do whatever they can to get you. So I'm going to um, I'm going to love it, honestly. And I would not be surprised if, uh, assuming this is allowed, and I'm not sure if there's some clause or anything in there, I wouldn't be surprised if they have to play at K-State again, too. I, I think, or and probably at Texas Tech, too. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah, I'm going to, well, how many road games can they have? Conference Five. ones. Five? I wouldn't be surprised if they have to play That's at the max. Texas Tech. Usually it's four. Okay. Texas has their neutral site game. Yeah. With OU. If they can play five true road games, I wouldn't be surprised if it's BYU, Cincinnati, West Virginia, Texas Tech, maybe even Oklahoma State, actually. Like the games that they lost on the road last year wouldn't surprise me. Who knows? Remember, if the Big 12 is trying to get them to play a Big 12 team or two over a four-year span, they got to be somewhat accommodating, right? You would think, but are people that go through divorces accommodating to yeah. people the lose person their minds. they feel? Yeah, exactly. And 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 I I, I hope Brett Yormark puts all of the past drama from you know prior to him taking over as Big Twelve Commissioner for Bob Bowlesby. I hope he takes that aside, and I hope he doesn't just let the presidents of these other schools kind of dictate how this goes. But until I see it, it's going to be very hard for me to say that the Big 12 is going to do any sort of scheduling favors for either Texas or OU, but probably Texas first, since Texas seemed to kind of be the ringleader and bringing OU along with them to the SEC. And Texas in, is in a position where they could technically pay it out right now where OU is not. So I, I don't know. There's no reason for me, just like if, if somebody was going through a divorce, there would be no reason for me to think that the ex-spouse is going to do you any favors so just prepare for the worst and hope for the best and that's kind of what i think texas and oklahoma are in right now okay all right love it or leave it number three final one love it or leave it tyrese hunter's shooting slump is directly tied to chris beard being suspended and then fired as texas head coach yeah i mean we're not getting to talk to tyrese hunter right now because he's um not being brought in to the post-game um, press conferences, and we were getting no players um, until last week, until it finally became uh, official that Chris Beard was being let go. Um, so, but I'm going to love this, um, and I don't love it for Tyrese Hunter because he's a kid from Racine, Wisconsin, who you know probably could drive home from uh, Ames, Iowa occasionally. Um, going to Texas is a, is a world away from Racine, Wisconsin, but he came for Chris Beard. He came because Chris Beard sold him on Texas being a national championship contender. And they were absolutely looking like that early in the season with wins over, you know, Gonzaga and, um, and, and so, you know, and Creighton now I get it. Those teams have suffered some losses here, uh, and maybe those wins don't look as good as as they were. But uh, I mean, Texas is still number seven, and right. you know, playing um, really 
some really good basketball. They have two big 12, no, yeah, two big 12 road wins uh, going into the Iowa State game on Tuesday night. So, um, but yeah, this is, I mean, he was playing well for the first eight games while Beard was on the sideline and the slump is the last nine games. And that has, that, that's, those are the nine games that Chris Beard has not been on the sideline. So, um, yeah, it's uh, and he's out there doing. He's trying to impact the game in other ways, but his scoring has fallen off a cliff, and his minutes are starting to go down, and that's not good because he's a tough-minded kid. He makes free throws, and he's a guy they need on the floor late in close games. And right now, he's not always on the floor late in close games. And so, um, you know, Ronnie Terry said. He, you just got to work through it. And he, he said, I'm absolutely confident that Tyrese Hunter will, will, you know, get back in his groove. So um, I'm going to love this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it too. And I know that, you know, in hearing that Tyrese Hunter came to Texas for Chris Beards, there may be some Texas fans out there that say you commit to a school and not to a coach. And I get that that's like an old adage back in, the day of recruiting, it's totally different now. I mean, it, it really is. And whether you want to accept it or not, whether you agree with it or not, it is the reality of the situation. These players commit to coaches and the coaches and staff that they think that they are going to play under and play for. And, you know, that's why even looking at Texas football, like how many um, position players, you know, left or transferred elsewhere, even when Tom Herman was the head coach after he got rid of all, oh, like what, seven, eight coaches of his staff. That's not a coincidence. It It's because they committed to the coaches that they thought that they were going to play for. And again, you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to, you know, be um, accepting of it and like, oh, that's okay. I, I understand like you should commit to a school, but it's just not how it works. Um, especially I feel like in the current environment of college athletics, with it being so easy to transfer places and stuff, they're transferring to play for a coach and a program that they believe in, that they think is going to help not only better develop them, but potentially give them a better chance of playing for a championship. So a hundred percent, I am uh, going to love this and say it is a direct, uh, you know, kind of result of Chris Beard and his situation being fired at Texas. And I just hope for, you know, I don't cover basketball as intently as say like Chip and Jeff Howe do at, at Horn 24 seven. Um, but I, it's still how athletes are. I've covered enough athletes in my life to know I've been around collegiate athletes. I've been around pro athletes in my own family. Even, you know, there, there are a lot of external factors that do end up impacting the performance on the field and something like this, a hundred or on the court, sorry, I say field because I'm used to football and baseball, but, um, you know, on, on their playing field and, uh, this a hundred percent there, it doesn't seem coincidental at all. So I hope for Tyrese Hunter's sake that he can kind of refocus and focus on the task at hand, which is, you know, trying to, you know, continue to play as well as he was before Chris Beard was, um, let go. So yeah, I'm going to sadly, unfortunately, Love it, but hope it it uh, changes for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, listen, everybody, we appreciate you tuning into this episode of the Flagship Podcast, and uh, we will, you know, obviously have much more 
in our next episode, in the next episode, in the next episode. So <laughs> just bookmark us, uh, make us a favorite, uh, the five-star rating, you know, while we're mentioning those kinds of things. And, like the uh, YouTube channel too. Subscribe, hit the bell, right. subscribe for notifications. Right. We actually will, a little sneak peek, we will be adding some more video um, content to our YouTube channel in the next several months. We uh, are getting some assistance from a an intern actually that has a very good resume that is a student at the University of Texas. I won't release his name yet because uh, I don't think he's published anything yet, but there's going to be a, there a lot more videos coming to the Horns 24-7 uh, YouTube channel too. So definitely want to hit the bell, subscribe, and uh get those notifications when new video products come out. Very exciting. Big things are happening here at the flagship podcast. Um, if you couldn't tell that already, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If, ready PG.